0: everybody and welcome to another edition of the Copcast Podcast brought to you by the World Football Index. Tonight I'm joined by pod regulars um, Neil Devlin, Neil Patterson and John Henderson. Uh, first up in Belfast we have Neil Devlin. How are you? It's been a while since I've spoken to you. Are, are we happy or are we not happy? Are we gloomy or are we whatever?
1: Uh, uh, whatever will be, will be. I'm, I'm accepting. That's what I am. It's my current mood. Wow.
0: Oh. Just your usual effervescent self then, no, no, nothing changes there. And next up in Berlin, we have uh, Neil Patterson, Chief. How are you, all well with you? Yeah, Devlin, uh,
2: a philosophical in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Effervescent as always. <laughs>
2: Quite amusing, but uh, yeah, I'm all good. I mean, uh, nice win against Watford, needed it, grounded out, played not bad. So yeah, keep going and we're there.
0: I'll just call it three points. I wouldn't call it nice now. And last but certainly not least, in Belfast, we'll have John Henderson. John, been a while. I've been ages since I've been on Paul. pod. Were you? How, how the hell are you, That?
3: I'm good. I'm good, Dave. Thanks. Um, my current mood is pessimistically optimistic about the next few games.
0: Before all this, there's been reports that have come out that uh, – Phil Coutinho is number one on Barcelona's list of wants for the summer. And with that in mind, I've enlisted the help of massive LFC fan and Barcelona fan as well, Gavin Haverty, who's who's renowned in World Football Index for his love of all things Liverpool. So you can imagine his excitement and delight at being on here this evening because we didn't actually tell him he was going to be on an LFC pod.
4: So Gavin, how the hell are you, brother? Are you all right? Hey. Can I, mean, I tell you something, Dave? I've as much love for Liverpool as I have an Aymar, so that'll actually tell you how much love I for Liverpool. And I've had a known it was an LFC podcast. But I pointed it pointed you in the direction of somebody else. But I'm here now, so I'll endure it. Listening to all you pessimistic fucking lunatics.
0: Well, you know, as I
4: say
0: <laughs> I, I like having you about the place. Gavin you know what I mean I I like your nomadic ways and all the rest of it so you know it's a pleasure actually having you on it's an honor to have you on NLC podcast of all podcasts to do like you you chose this one so so we are are thankful but listen Gav this this business about Coutinho you know you and I have spoken about this Jesus I don't know many times this season lots and lots and lots and you you said to me that you never believed he would be on their radar I sort of agreed with you and 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 while the interest may be there I'm not so sure that he would go. Um, you know, he's just signed a new contract with us, 200k a week. You know, from a Barcelona standpoint, you know, they paid big money for Suarez. We're, we're being told, it's you know, around the Suarez figure that if, if if they want to buy him, they're going to have to pay. Well, what's the view from Spain before we start?
4: Well, first thing's first. Coutinho is certainly not Barcelona's number one target. That target is Verratti. Now, Verratti at PSG, he's a fundamental cog to that squad. And he is arguably the best young, Bob-playing midfielder, been more football, arguably. Now, a a year ago, a certain journalist was told that Liverpool were quite worried that Coutinho was going to leave for Barcelona. Now, when you look at the many statements, the many whispers, the many rumours that's been thrown out on Twitter, he's constantly been linked to it. As a Barcelona fan... Do I want them there? Not particularly. Because the man we're trying to replace is Iniesta. Now we had a scenario there a couple of seasons ago where Xavi had left. We brought in Rakitic who took over the mantle. Completely different type of player. But having Iniesta there, Iniesta filled into the Xavi role. And of course being Iniesta done the Xavi role pretty well. However, He's not playing as much. But at the moment, we're too dependent on Iniesta coming in to sort out games, take a hold of games that it, he's finished, unfortunately. So the news is that Verratti being the number one target, if he cannot be got...
0: But, you know, obviously, Gav, you know, the, the, the talk is at the minute about he would probably have to take a, a wage drop. To go to Barca because I can't see Barcelona wanting to pay uh, 200 grand a week for a player like that. And you know why we love Phil Coutinho. I can see, I can see why he's not considered world class. He's world class in patches maybe, but not nowhere near the consistency that would be needed for Barcelona, in my opinion.
4: And then we take, take the names and mentions. We had Verrat. another player we'd love loved to have back is Tiago from Bayern Munich, but he has just signed a new contract with Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich so outside that particular top tier I think we do fall into the second tier of the football where Coutinho is there now if Coutinho is to make the move to Barcelona it's it's a wonder with the likes of Nike after investing so much money into Barcelona that 1 billion euro deal and a lot has been said that a lot of that is down to Neymar who as we know is Portuguese and you know Coutinho is one of Neymar's friends, so is is there an influence there from Neymar to the board to
0: get Coutinho? Well, certainly, we saw it. We saw it in a year ago at the World Cup qualifiers um, when you know the, the, the I think it was in the Spanish newspapers as well. when they were gesturing, making their hand into a telephone for Barcelona to make the call about Coutinho after he scored for Brazil. So I I would actually buy into that that Neymar's behind it somewhere, and much of it fits my narrative as well.
4: But then at the same time. We Barcelona have a new manager coming in but anyone who knows how the ins and outs of Barcelona's transfer market works it's very very rare that the manager has much say on who is brought in so if it's the case that the board are sitting back and they're not going to get Ferrati and Coutinho d- does come in well for me that's a massive massive step down from Iniesta because at the moment we have Terran his agents come out recently and stated that he ain't leaving. We've Rafinha, lovely footballer, but he's nowhere near Iniesta's level. Plus, he's quite injury-prone. Dennis Suarez, lovely young player. is never going to be given the opportunity to rule that midfield. Rakitic, Rakitic is settled. But Rakitic is his own type of player. He's nowhere nowhere near the ball-playing capacity of Iniesta. Then we've Andre Gomez, again. He's just not at that level. So, and yes, uh, although he will probably play on for another season, sparingly, he needs to be replaced in order to, for somebody, to feel that front three. Is Coutinho the man to do it? It's hard to say when, it's hard It's hard to look at a footballer playing for one club and then to see him move to another. Like we've seen Modric playing for Tottenham. Tottenham at, at Tottenham, he was brilliant. Moves to Real Madrid, he becomes one of the best midfielders in the world. So, Maybe it, could, maybe it could be a positive thing seeing Coutinho come to But at the moment, from a Barcelona fan's perspective, I'd break the bank to get Verratti because I still don't think Coutinho is in Verratti's level at the moment.
2: How likely do you think it is that, uh, that they're ready for Coutinho at the moment? That they take the chance on him now? I mean... Obviously he's, he's one of Liverpool's best players, but you mentioned Rafinha there, uh who he says quite injury prone. Continue, you know, is also quite injury prone. He tends to have an eight to ten week injury pretty much every season. He hasn't really weighed in with the numbers yet, although he's getting progressively better and he's still young and you can see the talent that he has. But you rightly say he's in that lower tier. So are Barcelona ready to go and pay eighty million? Mm-hmm. 80 million quid probably, maybe what is that? 95 million euro or something, maybe 100 million, to go and get somebody who's in that, as you say, you know, below world class
4: here. There's, there's the argument they if we, we mentioned the word 80 million pounds, Verratti, in his current contract, we possibly get him for less than that. I'm not saying he would, but even if it was pushed to 80. Well then why not? Coutinho, eighty million pounds for a player like that. I'm sorry. I no. Two hundred K a week he will be taking a substantial drop in wages because Barcelona have what's known as a tiered wage structure. They've always had it. And if there's one rule where it comes to finances within the club, it's it's a tiered to. It. Mascherano took a massive pay cut, leaving if I to come to Barcelona. Suarez took a massive pay cut. Now, Suarez is obviously earning massive money now, but it's all to do with, it's like it's like any job the better you do, the more you're rewarded Coutinho, can you see a player like that on massive wages when you think about it, 200k a week being, not asked being told, if you want to play for us you have to drop down, because at the end of the day people don't realise, Coutinho might want to come to Barcelona there's a lot of rumours saying that, oh well Barcelona looking at Coutinho, he mightn't want to come
2: yeah, I mean there is that. I mean, um, and one thing I've always thought about Coutinho, um, not really based on that much, except for the fact that he's Zanino's uh, nephew, um, and he was dedicated to Middlesbrough for ages, and he came back and he wanted to settle on on T side for a while and and all that. And Coutinho seems like a really settled player, like and a really settled individual off the pitch. He, you know, he's got his got his wife, and he's been with. Forever, I mean, their childhood sweethearts and stuff, and he's quite of the pigs. He's a family man and all that. Um, so I mean, there is that that idea that maybe you know he's just signed a new contract at Liverpool as well. So I mean, is is it, could it just be bluster? I mean, is
4: it just usual kind of he's been linked to Barcelona forever, um, or is there more to it? Well, there is. Um, a high-profile journalist has stated off the record that. Barcelona, are looking to get Coutinho in the event they cannot get Verratti, but they will certainly not try to get Boat. But they are willing to push the Boat out to get Verratti. And I think the reason being is you have to you have to look at the player he's replacing. We have... Look, I think Verratti is universally admired. He, 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 he's a fantastic footballer. He's very, very like a young Iniesta. Coutinho, to me, from watching him, he seems to be have a bit more of that Brazilian flair. He's a bit more like Neymar than Verratti is Iniesta. Again, Coutinho coming into Barcelona, could you see him in the Barcelona colours? Could I see him in it? Obviously I could, but do I want him to be the man to replace Iniesta? No. That's not a reflection on the type of player Coutinho is. It's just... if. Losing a player like Xavi a couple of years ago, we had a player to replace him in Iniesta. Now, our whole philosophy for the last 10 seasons is, okay, we've had arguably one of the greatest footballers of all time, always there in the middle of it, Messi. But at the same time, we've had a fairly decent forward line, but we have always had arguably one of the greatest midfields in history, the likes of Busquets, Iniesta, Xavi. Javi drops off, Iniesta takes his place Busquets, then Rakitic Ok, they're not as good But they're still pretty damn good we're going to lose Iniesta So he needs Barcelona need To do their damnedest To replace Iniesta For as good a player as they can Is Coutinho that player Again, it, it's unfair for me to say No, bluntly Because I don't see enough of him When I have seen him He seems a fairly decent player But the player I've seen playing for Brazil... I mean, playing for Brazil is one thing. Playing for Barcelona 60 times a season is completely different. Especially when you're going to be the main man in the centre dictating the play. Well, the Barcelona fans were fairly welcoming, but were easy to turn, especially that crowd. They will turn on you in a harpy if they don't think you're putting it in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I don't know, what does everyone else think? Do you think Coutinho is ready to, to take on that mantle? Dictate the play as the main man in the, in the middle of Barcelona's midfield?
1: Well, I per, 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 personally, if they wanted to offer us 80 million, I'd take it a run because I don't think he's an 80 million pound player either. But I, I just want to ask, Gav, does the new manager situation or the fact that they might not win any trophy at all this year as in you won't win the league or you won't win the Champions League does that affect your transfer business in the summer because I know a lot of those clubs like that would want to make a statement immediately after hiring a manager or immediately after having what they would say is a bad season so does that affect it so if they win the league are they more likely to go for maybe continue because they don't see it as uh, they don't need a marquee signing or does it does affect it?
4: No, well, at the moment, um, Barcelona, we're level of points with Madrid. It's going to go down to the war. We have a Copa del Rey final against Alaves, which we'd be massive favourites on paper. Okay, we didn't perform as well as we should have in the Champions League. But every single season, there's a budget set aside for transfers. Um, Our budget can sometimes be huge, and in other seasons, it could be Relatively small because at the end of the day, when you have players like Neymar, Suarez, and Messi playing for your club, they eat into the budget for the wages, and I mean it's a an enormous sum of money. Will the fact that with with the new manager coming in, see this is the politics of Barcelona? It, it doesn't matter who we get in. He may we may be getting we, Pep could be coming back to us during the summer, but he. Managers can't have stipulations as to taking the Barcelona job. The Barcelona job is offered. Um, you're foolish if you don't take it. You don't come in with that ego saying, well, I'll come in if I can buy this or I can buy that. The Spartan directors who are heralded at Barcelona, rightly or wrongly, the transfer business is left to them and to the board because the likes of um, Neymar coming in. Was Neymar really, really Really wanted? Possibly not. But he was brought in anyway. David Villa was another one. Was he really, really wanted? Possibly not. But he came in anyway. So this is the thing. Okay, we're getting a young Brazilian who has massive appeal from a marketing side of things. But is he the elite marquee player? Is he a marquee signing for a team like Barcelona? I don't think so. But at the same time, when you look around Europe and the world at the moment, there's very few top, top, top level ball playing midfielders. If they're not already signed to the best clubs, I mean, at the moment the only one really, really available, and he's not available, is Verratti.
1: As well, just want to have you. Uh, I would heard from a couple of people that there might have been, there might be, a scenario where Suarez. Goes this summer? Have you heard anything no. along that lines? Not, a, not a chance. Do
4: you think not, not? Not a chance. Not a chance. Even with
1: people coming in, no. Not
4: a chance. That's a set. He ain't going anywhere.
0: Well, here, you, you, are you in need of any centre backs there at Barcelona? Because we've won the yeah. Game we break.
4: no, 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 no. <laughs> we do, Dave. We have a brilliant, and I love this man. I absolutely adore this fella, Yeri, uh, Yeri, from Palmeiras. Ah, oh, from yeah. Yeah, oh, I can't formerly be. of no,
0: Atlético Nacional. Yeah, uh, no, no, but he, he'd make a great partner for Dejan Lofran, don't you feel?
4: No, Dejan <laughs> <I don't>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice try. <laughs> uh, but before before I let Gab go, has anybody else got anything you want to say, or ask John? You've been very quiet.
3: Yeah, no, I think that uh, the whole continue thing is very interesting with Barcelona. I mean, I personally think he's not yet an 80 million point footballer, but. I think Coutinho is one of them players where he's got such a high ceiling. I think if it was Barcelona, ideally, I mean, Coutinho played his best football and a and a diamond midfield for Liverpool. And if, I think if if they got Verratti and Coutinho, because I think what I like about Verratti is he's a great ball player, but he's got a bit of bite about him as well, mm-hmm. uh, and you can you can see Verratti in the centre, but Coutinho on the left side of a diamond for. Liverpool. I mean, if you, you know, if Iniesta is in the way way out, it's obviously no matter how great a footballer you are, time catches up with you. Mm-hmm. But the thought of um, Busquets sitting with Verratti and continue supplying well, the bullets for that front no. three would be,
4: I think, that would be horrific. Right. <laughs> but it's it has been stated, and this is a fact that they will definitely will not go for the two of them. They'll only go for one.
3: Yeah, man, that would make sense. Given the money you'd have to pay for because, the
4: two of them. As you know yourself, when it comes to um, players in the Premier League, especially important players for certain clubs, their value just goes through the roof. Oh, um, Coutinho was not worth 80 million. However, the fact he plays for a Premier League club, the fact he's arguably Liverpool's best player, to them, he's worth 80 million. So if we want him, that's what you have to pay. But at the same time, when you look at the... So Verratti, Verratti is arguably worth more. But based on the contract situation with PSG, he could be got an awful lot cheaper. An awful lot cheaper. Yeah. So it's just a matter of playing yeah. football. Does, does Verratti want to come? It's all... Does Coutinho... Want, I'm sure Coutinho does want to come with the fact that Neymar's there. But again... for how
0: long, Gav? Because there's, there's you know, like there, there's... talk. To- Look at him moving on as well, possibly in the summer.
4: Well, he's not going this summer. Absolutely, definitely not going this summer. Um, unfortunately for Gav here. But <laughs> you can see Barcelona going away from its roots a bit in the last couple of seasons. And you're going to continue to see that where, you know, we've always been heralded as messing club, more than a club. To be honest, we're more than a brand now. And this brand is just going to get, keep on getting bigger. Bigger, and bigger. Because in order to compete with the super clubs in the world, with the Premier League's top clubs, you know we have to we have to finance massive wages. It's no point in having Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. We we have to pay these lads, and in order to facilitate more transfers, we have to generate money. So, Coutinho, from a brand point of view, it's a good move. It's probably a better move than Verratti. but from replacing the Don that is in Iniesta for me I don't think there's a better player in world football than Verratti to do that Tiago would have been great but Thiago's just committed his future to Bayern Munich and at the time nobody wanted Tiago to leave Barcelona nobody wanted him to leave but you could not expect a player like that to be sitting on the bench week in week out whilst Xabi and Iniesta were in that prime it, it's just never going to happen and at the same time, he ain't coming back. And if he was to come back, if Boreen were to sell him, would Boyan be looking for an awful lot more than 80 minutes?
0: Well, I think as well, you know, Coutinho signed this contract. And from what I'm led to believe, there's been no um, release co- or release clause placed in it, which sort of, you know, when we saw that with Suarez, the, the clause was there that, you know, should Barcelona come calling, he went. Um, we, we haven't seen that from Coutinho, so... Gav, listen, thank you so much for your time. Truly appreciated um you sullying yourself by coming on a Liverpool pod. Scratch, it's
4: it's Scratching on going have a shower and Ah that that's <laughs> it
0: <too well>. <laughs> Get the wire brush I, out. <laughs> <laughs> Some wire brush and death. all you'll be fine in the morning, no problem. <laughs> Gav, as always, pleasure talking to you. No doubt I'll talk to you during a week. Thanks for your time.
4: No has enjoyed the team. Bye bye.
0: Now you can stay if you want, Gav, like no problem.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna listen to you as miserable bastards, actually.
0: I, I don't know, guys, uh, your, your opinion there. You know, Obviously, we've we'll, we'll listened to Gav. I, I, I don't see this one. For For my money, I don't see it, John. Yourself, I, I, I just don't see this one happening. No, uh,
3: I think given what Gav said, there. are obviously, he's very close and follows Barcelona very closely, but if the budget's not there, I mean, if I was them, I'd be going out for Verratti as well. Um, but whilst I get the thing about Coutinho, and I can see some people looking at Coutinho, I actually think, For what it's worth, Coutinho is one of the most technically gifted players I've seen at Liverpool, and I actually think in Spain, playing for a team like Barcelona, with the quality of the players around him and the players he would have in front of him, I think we've always seen that with Coutinho, his weight of a pass and his ability to go past a player in his vision, second to none. I actually think Coutinho would go on to... uh, He'd be an incredible player for Barcelona in their midfield. I think Coutinho would be brilliant for Barcelona. I don't think he'd be, uh, it's impossible to replace Aniesta like for like, but um, I think if you could get Coutinho and then Verratti for that bit of steel as well, you'd be you'd be sorted. But no, I agree, Dave. I, I don't see it happening, and I don't think as well that is particularly agitating for a move, which is good news for us, because obviously, given where Liverpool are at the minute, he's still a, a key player for us, where we're at right now.
0: No, and, you know, with with the promise, uh, he says, underbated breath, the promise of more or better quality players coming in over the summer, especially if, if we manage to scrape top four here. Um, you know, we, we've seen what, uh, what Suarez brought out of Coutinho. He did bring the best out of him, 13-14. Neil Patterson, yourself, are, are you on the, the Coutinho goals bandwagon? Do you see him staying?
2: No, well, I've always um, I've always had the opinion, as I mentioned there when we were speaking to Gav, that... He's quite a settled guy, and he's not looking necessarily to, I don't know, shoot shoot straight to the top and be an absolute world superstar. And obviously, he wants to be the best footballer he can be, but I think he's quite a grounded individual. You know, he's not um, he's not looking for a pathway to fame. He's looking to get there through his talent. And I think he's quite settled in Liverpool. He's been with us a while. He's a grounded kind of a guy, and I don't think he is. I just hate him for a move, just as John... Mentioned there, and it's already being said that there's no release clause, so he hasn't pushed for a release clause, even though these these Barcelona rumours have been around for for an awfully long time, and they're not going away. And he'd be well aware of them, you know, he, as you you mentioned Neymar, like he plays with him, how many times a season? Four, five, six. I so, understand. he's
0: to play with him again, Neil, um, before the end of the season, and I wouldn't put put it past Neymar to to be whispering this now obviously uh, depending on what influence Gav seems to think you know that, that Neymar would wield a brave bit of influence there and we saw it last year as well they came up through the Brazil youth ranks together they're very close and that was right. to, to, to be honest with you that's my only worry of it yeah yeah I mean I mean it's always possible um
2: but at the same time he's he has just signed a 200 grand a week contract if they, I mean if if that's that's to be believed, which it seems to be. So uh, you have to wonder, given that he's so young still and that you think he's only going to improve um, and enhance his reputation, he's always going to be there for Barcelona if they want to come and get him at some point in the future. I don't think he's in a rush to go. I'm not ruling out the possibility that he does go. Um, the Neymar does have influence and whatever, but I am um, I would be sceptical at this point that he's going to go at the end of this season. I think he'd give us at least another one and and see where this is going, particularly if we which touch wood is looking likely we get in the Champions League.
0: Well, Nils Devlin, you'd sort of mentioned 80 million, you'd sell him, and and do you know what? For that money, I would too. Um, But, uh, you know, he's a player who has the capability, I think, to be world-class, but he's a a little bit short of it at the, the moment. And, you know, as I say, I I would take 80 million, but I just don't ever think it's going to materialise, and, and if it does. I, I think it's the wages are the stickling point, to be honest with you. He would really need to want to go to Barca. There's a player that's never mentioned, Barcelona, as far as I'm, uh, in my recollection anyway, um, as a destination for him at any point, that, or any time that he's been at Liverpool.
1: The only thing I would say is that makes it look that it might be a gore is when Barcelona turn on the charm offensive. Do you know, well, They, they did the same with Suarez, they do the same with you know, every player they buy, they... They get their players and their past players to start talking about how great the player is and all that. And Neymar's already done that about Coutinho, and I think Javi's already done it about him as well. So that's the only thing that's in the back of my mind. But as us just say, like, if, if they wanted to offer 80 million, I'd take it. And Gav's right. He's 80 million to us. He's not maybe 80 million to anybody else. But I'd say John Henry would play hardball over Coutinho, and I think he would. Go all the way to eighty million, and that's probably what will put Barça off. To be honest, but I up until recently he wasn't playing that well. He got injured before Christmas. There came back was a shadow of a player that we thought he was, and then it's what last three, four games he started banging them in and being crucial. And then three, like five weeks ago, I was all for selling them, and I was saying it on Twitter. Yeah, sell them because I didn't see him as consistent player that we needed but he's got he's got a lot of crucial goals in the last few weeks and maybe that's I don't know that sways my opinion slightly maybe you need a player like that but then the ultimate goal is surely that we want to get to the stage where we don't build a team around Coutinho Coutinho's just sort of a player among a lot of very very good players or world-class players don't know how you feel about that but I wouldn't to have a problem with us getting to the point where Coutinho is? Because if you look at like Chelsea and teams like that, they've got squad. Neither, players.
0: Neither, we ju- we, ju- we just gave that Lovren a uh, hundred grand a week, and you're talking about him playing with quality players. Come on,
1: I know, I know. But if you look, at, if you look at Chelsea, for example, look at Chelsea the weekend brought Willian off the bench. Willian, I would say, is the same level as Coutinho, and there's the team bringing him off the bench. So that's ideally where we want to be. If you want to be competing in the Champions League. Year in year out, that's where you want to be. You want to have squad players like that. You have teams like United. Maybe even bring a off the bench. That's what you want. So if that's the project that you're aiming for, then you should probably be keeping Coutinho and then aiming to improve Coutinho. And that's always been my idea. Is I've said it all year. Is that there's not necessarily anything wrong with our first eleven per se but they should be the squad they should be the squad player level and we should be investing in starting quality players because for too long now we've been investing in squad players and they've been coming in and they've been squad players to our first 11 who are already technically squad players in other top 4 teams and that's always been the problem so that's where i would see i would hope that's where we're heading and i hope that we're not going to build around Coutinho because i don't think he's going to be that player. If mean, he is going to be that player, the only thing that's on his side is, I would say Coutinho is probably one of those players that would improve as he goes because he doesn't rely really on pace. It's all about technical ability. He could be like, for example, he's not the same type of player as Pirlo, but just gets better with the age. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't rely on his physical attributes too much. It's all about mind and technical skills. So there is a scenario where he just keeps getting better and better. He is still quite young. But at the minute, he's not world class, and I don't think I would be planning my whole team around a player like that. That's probably an unpopular opinion, but that's just where I am with it. If we commit him to the 80 million, sell him. If not, don't sell him, but improve the team. Either way, I don't see him as a. He shouldn't be an automatic starter anyway, because I don't think he's consistent enough to be an automatic starter.
0: Right. Okay. So, well, there, there was a. Well, it wasn't. A game of football it was three points we want to talk about. Um, and I'll, I'll come to Neil Patterson first on this one. Uh, bar Emray's well, the, the ball from, from Lucas to Emray, top corner, there wasn't really that much to celebrate in this game, there wasn't really that much to talk about this game. The biggest factor for me throughout it all was we got three points, and by God, we needed them this weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that, and um, particularly given that we played on the Monday night and we'd seen our rivals, our direct rivals drop points on the Sunday. So, I mean, the pressure was on, you know, there's always the, the worry amongst fans and, you know, and we've seen it many times in the past where we don't capitalize on situations like that. So, you know, the team knows that the manager knows that everyone knows that the fans know that. So it's, it's always in your mind. And, in a way i think it played into our hands that we were away from home in this game because it was always going to be quite ugly obviously we we don't have anything close to our first team out, so we're not playing anything like the kind of free-flowing football we were uh, earlier on in the season and watford are not difficult to beat or diff- not easy to beat at home they are difficult to beat at home that won their previous three home games where they conceding um, they thought they were
0: on the beach, Neil. No,
2: I really thought that they were on the beach. Not for me, not at all. I think they would. Have, I, I, I just don't. I think we actually played well, and that's why I would say that. Um, although we weren't playing free flowing and attractive football, creating loads of chances, I think we dominated the game essentially. And aside from a period where the game was disrupted in the first half due to the Coutinho injury and then an injury to. Britos was it for them, where basically the game lost its flow, although we'd been this the ascendancy before that. We then regained that. And although we weren't carving out massively clear cut chances or many clear cut chances, we had we had control of the game. We just hit the bar with Lalana with a wonder strike and Emery Chan scores a, a peach right when right when you need it, just on half time. And I think that was enough. I th- I think the second half we bossed it. We should have gone uh, two nil up. We had chances the first twenty minutes of the second half, and then inevitably there was a period where they came back because we we only had the one goal advantage. We hadn't uh, made our superiority count. Um, but when you watch it back, sort of a bit more dispassionately, they had not nothing except for that that proto, uh, uh chance right at the end, and and you know that's. That's one of those things, I mean, it was would have been all too typical for that to, to have flown in the net, but at the end of the day, that was one you know, one let off uh, in the whole game, and and they offered nothing. I think we we dealt with them, and I don't think they were on the beach, and, and that's why I say Troy on the beach because
0: I, I, I just felt that they offered nothing that is where that, that that comes from. And you know, on the Saturday, we saw lots of teams who were on the beach, you know, so many nil nils, teams you know, safe, not caring. And you know we, we we faced another one this weekend, Neil. And and this is, you know, they're not they're not wanting to lose, but they're not really making much of an effort to get at us.
2: Yeah, well, what's interesting though, because um, because Watford were, they, it was a battle. The whole thing was a battle. They didn't offer anything in terms of free flow football or or uh, you know silky skill or, or you know having a having a real go in in, in terms of attacking flair or anything like that. But everything was a battle. To fight, and we won the battle, and we grounded out. That's three hard-fought away wins in a row, uh, just by the odd goal. We've won three in a row, and you know it's it's really at home where we've been slipping up in recent in recent performances. Um, the draw against Bournemouth, and um, obviously the defeat against Palace. So it happens; a different proposition there. I mean, we we all know we've played them three times this season and not won. They beat us at Anfield in the in the second leg of the the cup. They beat us away in the first leg of the cup, um, and we drew with them up away from home in the league. It's an interesting one. That you hope that with Lalana back and and a slightly stronger bench with Sturridge back and stuff as well, and being able to contribute uh, at least at the moment. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured before we um, we kick off. Um, of course, you would, would hope. Yeah, it wouldn't? There's every chance, you know. But you would hope we could. Um, We could could take it to Southampton, being a home team and having so much to play for that we could, you know, turn up and and really go at them. And maybe there is the argument that if they concede first and if the other teams that we're playing who don't have the must to play for concede first, then then their fight isn't what it would be if they had loads to play for. That's fair enough. But I'm happy that we beat Watford. I mean, we were all down after the Palace game and we said it was a must win against Watford no matter what. And we fucking won and we scored an absolutely ridiculously good goal. So I'm happy to go into the Southampton game thinking that we're at home and we really should win the game.
0: And John, you know, I want to talk to you about Emery Khan. And, um, you know, he's a player, in fact, all of us basically, even back wherever we are on it, back on AI. You know, I remember a, a comment that you passed and it's always stuck with me that, he's the player you want to see in that role for the next 10 years, the player owning that shirt and he's had a bit of an up and down season, John, I've, I always prefer to see him on the pitch myself but it, he's coming back to where he was about this stage last season and he's just taking games by the scruff of the neck he's he's the one standout for me every week at the minute.
3: Yeah, 100% Um chance a funny one because, you know, when they're talking about the contract uh, it just seems insane to me that Liverpool I uh, don't want to going on about Dejan. Well, I don't want to play about him, but he's getting a hundred grand a week, and they're, they're haggling with Chan over apparently seventy thousand. And to me, there's no—I mean, there's no comparison there. I mean, no. Chan's what age is he? Twenty, twenty-three. The ceiling that he has. Uh, what I like about Chan is, is just he, he's got that build. He's got he's he's a specimen of football. I mean, he's so he strange. looks the
0: so part. Great. Like he looks yeah. the part.
3: He does. And listen was he caught on the ball a bit too much earlier in the season? And I think as well, there's a lot of our fan base are very, I'm not going to say they're gullible, but they're very easily led by certain opinions. And people like Jamie Carragher are very influential. And I remember after a game Sunderland, um, early in the, the year, Chan was a bit ponderous on the ball at times. He was coming back from injury. He was a bit, you know, he, he, he wasn't quite with it in terms of the pace of the game. And Carragher would, Identify him straight away, you know, on Twitter and stuff, and go, "Oh, Emery Chan's not been near good enough." And I was like, "Why the fuck do you never call this out when Lalana's been shite for a year or Lovren's been fucking rubbish, a player who you personally recommended, you know?" And I think Chan's suffered a wee bit from that with with a fan base, but listen, people who know football, you, you know, to look at Chan he's got the build, um, and what seems to have. Really happened in the last couple of months is he's really imposing his physique on teams. I think Klopp said to him, "Look, you need to. It's Premier League here. You need to go out and you need to earn the right to play. You're a good footballer. Chance got good skill. He can pass a ball. He can go past people. He's got a great engine. But he's really starting to bully people and shove them off the ball. And that just was another side to his game that we probably haven't seen.
1: His physique you know, is something. That. But his physique is something that is actually quite important because." Although I, I don't believe I don't take any credence from anything Jimmy Carragher says. He, earlier in the season, he had a point. Yes, he should be slagging off other players. That's another point entirely. But Emery Chan seems to have a real problem that when he gets injured, it takes him a very long time to get back up to speed. And not only that, he seems to put on weight, and it's not even a joke anymore. And people other do other teams and stuff make a joke about. It. He does seem to put on significant weight when he's not been playing. He came back. He came back in the summer with significant weight. And then when he gets injured again, he gets a significant weight. And it seems to take quite some time for him to get rid of that. And yeah. that's a problem with I'd us. agree.
3: With, I'd, I'd take your point there that he's, he's a bit slow coming back. He, yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
1: He, he does come back, back larger. And it, does, it yeah. seems to affect his ability to run and his ability to make decisions as well. He seems very unfit when he comes back. He seems stamina wise unfit when he comes back, and that's an issue, especially in the, the way that we play, and especially with the amount of injuries that we get, because that can really affect us over the course of the season. No question he's he's unbelievable. He's our best midfielder when fit. But it took him I'd say four or five weeks to get really fit. And then another while after yeah, that yeah, but, to get up to speed. And it's we can't afford that. And it's as I said about Jordan Henderson. It's not. It,
0: is, is 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 that not about more about the backroom staff than it is anything? I think it's, Neil, a, per, it's you a, know, a personal thing we were too. About.
1: But it's a personal thing, and it's also it's a it's just a genetic thing as well. Like he's maybe predisposed just to, to put on weight, and that might just be a thing. And it's the same thing I said about Jordan Henderson. Talent kind of becomes irrelevant if the player can't stay fit, and if the player has some sort of problem with staying fit, or has some sort of physical attribute that works against your team, because if you can't get rid of that, then it's all pointless in the end, isn't it? But no question, he's the the best midfielder we have, and when he's on song, he is really on song and he can lead, but I'm, I'm just afraid of us. We did this with Jordan Henderson, we all clamoured for him to be captain and whatever, and I was behind that too, I've seen it, definitely, and then he became Indians. captain, and then he got injured, and then he's always injured all the time, and I don't really, I think we should be wary of that with Can as well, because he does seem to have some sort of... Problem, you
2: yeah, know. At the age, well, he'd you yeah. been know, carrying a, a calf injury for most of the season. I think you, you know, make a good point in the fact that uh, took him a long time to come back for, from it. But by a lot of accounts, he was playing through that for for a couple of months, where he was pretty much starting every week. Yeah, uh, sometimes yeah. that's true. Know, twice, that's true. Times. So, um, so i, I, I think was
0: He was only eighty percent fit as well. Chief.
2: Yeah, ex- exactly. And. We're now sort of seeing, you know, a bit more like the best of him because he feels confident in his body. Um, He feels fit again, and you know we're getting to see the fruits of it. So yeah, you know, does does it
1: not worry you a bit though that it's a worry? At the, like, at the, this, mm-hmm. It kind of follows the same pattern as last season. Remember last season he was phenomenal at the end of the season because he seemed to have gotten yeah, I mean, everything out of the way he, and then got to play and then summer rolls up and then he stops playing and then it takes him six months to get ready again. He's phenomenal again. It was German. And he that's why I go back to the backroom staff, lads.
2: He went away with Germany and he got injured, didn't he? On international duty. He injured his back and uh, when he came back, he didn't have a pre-season or anything. So basically the whole season, he's been playing catch-up and he was carrying an injury as well. So, I mean, this will be the real test, you know, keep, keeping him fit to the end of the season, making sure he gets a good preseason, and hits a ground running next year because, you know, I agree with everything that's been said. Potentially, he has the ability and the presence to lead Liverpool for the next six seasons.
0: But I think he believes it now, Neil. You know what yeah. I mean. I think with the second season there, and I think what we're seeing at the minute—yes, he was that good at the end of last season—but I think he actually sort of feels within himself that he belongs, sort of a little bit more now. That you know he he can take this team by the scruff of the neck, and I think that's a difference I've noticed.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, he's grown into it now. You know, I mean, I suppose it is a case of we saw it with Alana. I mean, it's it's taken him seasons to to feel comfortable and feel like he belongs in the shirt. You know, and Emery's a lot, a lot younger and coming from from a different country. So I mean, it's bound to take him a while as well. You know, as I said, it's it's kind of a, not a crossroads, but you hope it can go either way. You hope that he does stay fit, and he get the, the preseason, and he does hit the ground running, and he can play thirty five league games for us next season at uh, at the level he's he's putting in at the moment. On the other hand, there is the question about his injury record. It's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he played, I think, more minutes than any, any other player for us last season. So, you know, it's not a big worry. But uh, there is what they said. You know, it, it does take him a, a little while and, and there have been murmurings. Uh, and what John said as well, is true, you know, he has had to fight a lot of, of sometimes bizarrely, and seemingly very unfair, bad press. Uh, when when other players have, um, and that's not the point the finger at anyone. Not, there's no point in even naming names, but other players don't get that um, that level of scrutiny um, or haven't had it. And I think for such a young player in such an integral position uh, in any football team, it's been a bit harsh. You know, you've got to let players develop. So, yeah, I hope we fucking get off our asses on this contract and make sure that he signs and lock him down to a long-term contract. Because the last thing you want to do with, with Jordan Henderson, essentially looking like a bit of a crock at this point, is let Emery Chan slip away.
0: Neil, do you know, I've, I've sort of got a whisper that Germany are going to be sending a developments basically to the Confederations Cup here uh, in Russia come the summer. And I'm sort of led to believe that Emery Chan would be amongst that group that they would be sending, you know, bearing in mind what we're saying here injuries, you know, um, and they'll probably miss the start of next season for us, or probably our pre season uh, to get a holiday after that, because you would imagine Germany, even with a development side, going quite deep in that tournament. Um, what would your thoughts be on that? I would not be particularly happy
2: about that as a Liverpool fan. I mean, I can see it definitely being the case. If they are sending a development squad, he's bound to be in it. You know, he's featured for Germany uh the Germany full team again, a good few times now uh, and he was he's got loads of cash for the under 21s. Um so he's been part of the Germany setup the whole way through and he's one that they have earmarked for the future. He's very highly regarded so there's every chance that he will go. Um, so thanks for bursting my bubble of getting it through a good preseason and hitting the ground running for us. Um, so yeah, hopefully if he does go, which he probably will, hopefully he stays fit. He does well and he comes back and hits the ground running for us.
1: I, I would say, as a club, we should be a bit more stern about something like this. I think we should be saying to Emery, Emery, if you want your 70 grand a week, you can't go. Show your Yeah, make your mind up
2: on this one because, I mean, as a developmental side, you know, to, to a competition like the Confederations Cup, but at the same time, the Mannschaft is, uh, you know, is a massive deal for, for Germans and, you know, I don't know if it is, but it's if the that, Confederations snubbing that, that kind of thing. But it's the Confederations Cup. It's not the World yeah, it's Cup.
1: It's not the World Cup or something. And if, you, yeah. if he's saying, look, I'm not happy with my role in the team, well, I think we should be saying, hey, we have a role for you, but your role involves you not going to pointless com- competitions in the summer and jeopardizing our season because if that's if you want that role in the team and if you want to be captain, maybe that's something that's even being muted behind the scenes. Then you can't be, you can't be seen to be putting country over club. And it's not even like a choose club instead. It's like it's a nothing competition. You know what I mean? It's it's on par. It's it's saying, yeah, well, the club might actually win a trophy, uh, the league title next season, and that's a big deal. And if Germany wins the Confederations Cup, is that really a big deal? I don't think it is. It's not. not they're saying no, the
0: development no. side. You know what I mean? That that tells exactly.
2: you everything you need to know. Yeah. They don't expect to win it, so I mean, I you know I think you're absolutely right, particularly if there are any chances of, of of him becoming captain or of being being offered the captaincy, which which has been mooted. I don't know if it would happen this summer, but maybe it will. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, you're right. The captaincy case, has to go somewhere, you know,
1: because it's the end of the, the season. We're chasing top four, and where's our captain? Nowhere. And that's not how to do with talent. Yeah, with and, he,
2: and he hasn't been there for two seasons, and it, it's—he's not going to be there next season either. I don't think. I think to be honest, you're right. The camp's, he has to change hands.
0: Well, listen—that's why it's you know, so important to keep Chan. I, I want to move on, and, and you know we've mentioned it a couple of times in the pod. and I just like, like to get your reaction to it, and mine's of, of sheer horror. Um, but in the, veiled with maybe there's a plan in the background of giving Dejan Lovren a hundred grand a week for a five year contract. I just just beggars belief. I have no words for it and the only hope in, in my heart is that somewhere down the line um, there, there's some kind of forward thinking in this, although any forward thinking escapes my, 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 my thought process. Neil Devlin, you're you're a happy chappy. What are you reckon about it?
1: To me it doesn't make any sense. Uh, unless it signifies a change in approach systemically within the club, it doesn't make any sense to me because... The whole idea and the whole ethos that we tried to bring in was, you played for the club, a bit like what Gav was saying earlier with Barcelona, that sort of tiered approach where, if you do something and you earn a contract, you earn a contract, you've earned it and you get it. But to me, Dejan Lovren hasn't done anything to deserve this, um, none of the none of the back four have done anything to deserve this. It's not even just on lover Lovren. If somebody were to turn around and offer matter hundred grand or Klein hundred grand, I would I would also say that no, because our biggest weakness has always been the defence and it's been getting worse. It's not getting better, and it's not like people go, "Oh, well, it uh, just takes time and stuff like that." Lovren's been there what is it three seasons now? Like, come on, if if you're and he's getting
0: consistently shite, yeah, consistent you, shite,
1: and if you're having like you can see as well, like people are saying we should put Moreno in for example, but we're not playing Moreno and part of it is probably because we can't trust Dejan Lovren to defend. So you're already altering your team for Dejan Lovren. So if you're altering your team for a specific defender's weakness, why are you making him the highest paid defender at the club? It doesn't make any sense to me. And if you're giving him 100k, if say we go out and get Van Dijk, what's he now worth? 200k? 250k?
0: 300k? Rooney territory?
1: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It just—it's such a departure and it from what we were doing before, and it doesn't. It just—it doesn't make any sense to me unless, as a club, we've now decided that we're giving everybody all these wages, and that's what we're doing. Is it keeping the value of them? Maybe do you have to give them a hundred k to mean, keep it, the value of them? Hmm, I don't know. No, nope. <laughs> I think it does in a way. I mean,
2: I agree. I mean, we we all have pretty much the same opinion on on Lovren and. He has been consistently shy, he has gotten a bit better, but he still makes fucking ridiculous errors far too often. But I think he's, he seems highly regarded in football circles, you know? It, he seems but is like, he though? I do, mean, do you see anybody else paying him?
1: Do you see anybody else paying 100 grand a week to, uh, to I don't like know,
2: 100 number? grand a week. But I can see another club signing him and paying him 80 grand a week. Right, but if yeah. we just,
1: if we priced ourselves out of moving them on, because this has always been a problem for us, is getting rid of players because they're on high wages, and when we do get rid of them, we have to pay their wages because nobody else will. So if we just shut ourselves in the foot... Well, I do Joe Cole.
0: Like, who could forget Joe
1: yeah. Cole? Yeah,
0: we but can... we were
2: paying Joe Cole 100 grand a week eight years ago, seven years ago, you know. This yeah, is which Lover. is 200 defender. grand
0: a week, the way the inflation in football has gone. Exactly.
2: So, a 100 grand a week is not top dollar. It's not top dollar by any stretch of the imagination. It might be but a for high... defender, league. it is. It is for
1: a defender, it's yeah. Who, who else is on 100 grand well, one a week? Well,
2: it's high. It, it, it is high. I mean, it would be one of the... What is it? The seventh or eighth highest paid defender in the league. So, I suppose it is high. But then, we're looking to be the top club in the league and certainly constantly and consistently competing to be within the top three top two, top one in the league, you know, you're set your stall out, but I, my, my thing is like he's 27, so we're getting in that contract now, unless unless you are just trying to keep his value up and maybe with Van Dyke coming in, maybe you've already agreed sort of behind the scenes, because you know there's a lot of talk that uh, he'll come in if we get the Champions League, so there must be a talk about wages, and maybe he's going to be getting upwards of 100 grand a week because if he if he has to specify that I'm only coming if I'm getting Champions League, then he then he's calling a big contract as well. So maybe it's bringing him into line a bit more with that, um, and keeping the value high and hoping that you know. Well, I mean, he, he would be a good backup for me if, if you go into the next season and you've got you've got Van Dijk, you've got Maduk, you've got Lovren, and you sign one more to replace Clavin, but obviously better than Clavin who can compete for a first team place. Then you're you're in really good shape and I don't mind paying him that much money if, if if he's third or fourth choice or or having to fight to get into the eleven and we've got four good centre backs. I, I don't mind.
1: It's all about having you know? the four good centre backs, but as you were saying about Van Dyke, I've been saying to you privately that the Van Dyke and it's got out on Twitter as well. I have it sort of on good authority that there is a deal there it's already on the table it's already agreed with the player on the provision that we're in the Champions League that he will come and it will be somewhere in the region of 40 to 50 million that Southampton will sell him so that's there's a lot right it seems to be a lot riding on the Champions League this year in terms of that because it yeah. seems, seems to be going to affect our whole business. I've been saying that you guys were kind of asking me where, where I get that and stuff like that but it seems to have come out Recently on Twitter, so that's why I'm saying it now publicly because it seems to be a thing.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, Andy he it and the, the other s- day, didn't he?
1: And the, so there's a couple of other players there that we know of that if we get Champions League, it's pretty much done and dusted that they will join the club, but it's completely dependent upon that. So it, it's more important than ever to get the Champions League, basically.
3: I think Nate's made some excellent points about Laverne. I mean, Let's take the, the Dejan thing aside and look at that back floor and think none of them, for all the reasons need stated, none of them deserve that kind of money. It's ridiculous money. I, I, and I don't see the the whole protecting the value argument. This this puts him in Milner and Lucas territory for me. Who the fuck in their right mind is going to try and match those wages to bring Dejan Lovren to try and pull Dejan Lovren from Liverpool? There's fucking nobody. There's nobody in the Premier League. In fact, the guys—I honestly look at the teams that are from one to twelve um, right now, and I, I don't see any of them that would put Dejan Lovren into their center halves. So that's how fucking bad he is, in in, in my opinion. So I, I think it's a uh, hundred grand a week is just preposterous. I think if Dejan Lovren, given his level of performance and the time he's been at Liverpool, was offered thirty or forty thousand pound a week and a new contract. With the opportunity to play for Liverpool. Oh, we should the fucking, fucking time crawl share, over. dude.
0: Timeshare. You
3: should you should crawl over fucking broken glass. Except thirty or forty thousand pounds a week, in my opinion. So it makes no sense
1: on any level. And it kind of feeds into what I'm saying though about Van Dyke, because the the deal was announced when we lost to Crystal yeah. Palace and it started to look a bit like we weren't maybe going to be in the Champions League. So our whole transfer plans teetering on whether we become Champions yeah. in the Champions League or not seems to dick Dictate where I think we kind of like given him the deal as a as a backup as plan. A backup. Yeah, and,
2: and that for me makes sense, you know. And but you I, see, I, here's I, where it doesn't I, make sense
3: you, to me. Neil, this is yeah. the, the part that doesn't make sense. Is like he's underperforming, and we're giving him a hundred thousand a week. We, we could let Dejan Lovren go, and for that money, we could get a fuck. You could get how much would Ta from 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 Leverkusen, someone like that. Yeah. I mean, how much? A much what he demand. Do you know what I mean? A much a vastly superior player. The part I don't get is if the Van Dyke and Niels said stuff about Van Dyke, which increasingly looks like it's it's true. If we do get this, this top four place and we do get Van Dyke, Jesus Christ, we've got a a situation there where we've got Van Dyke, who's a super player. I absolutely want us to sign Van Dyke. Let me be absolutely clear on that. He's He's a, a level above anything we've got. But you'd see Van Dyke playing on the left. You'd see Mateep playing on the right. Are we really going to have a situation where we've got a bang average centre-back sitting picking up 100,000 a week? It just makes no sense to me in our in our whole model. And I mean,
2: I'd rather keep
0: Lucas, John. I would rather keep Lucas and keep that? Yeah. But if you're looking
2: at it, there, right? And they are looking at it because they know the need center halves, and they've been looking at it, and they've been after center halves. They'll have been in negotiations with agents, and 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 with clubs, and with maybe players themselves behind the scenes, looking to get center halves. Maybe they're looking at it, and they're going, "Well, listen, as you know, we we got Clavin in last year as a backup, low low cost, low wages." It hasn't worked out for him. He's not good enough. And maybe they're looking at that and going, as, as Neil said, at the time we're not quite sure are we going to make it or are we not. Um, worst case scenario, we don't make it. Well, we keep Lovren. You know, we've got him tied down. But Neil, but Neil we could
3: go out and get two centre-halves that are vastly superior to Lovren and have them on 50 grand a week each. I, I, You know, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I, know I there's agree, loads, but I
2: don't really understand then the thing behind it. I mean, I'm just trying to look for logic, and my only logic... Yeah, and I data. think my
3: point is, there's, there's no logic. There is logic. no logic. Yeah, yeah. There isn't. I mean, you can try and make up logic, yeah. but to me, it's just... This is the guy who we all agree is... is rubbish. I'm sorry, this isn't a personal <laughs> thing. I just think he's, he's literally one of the worst centre-backs I've ever seen play for Liverpool. And we're yeah. paying... Um a hundred
0: thousand a week that's it's crazy. crazy. But, well listen, yeah. listen let's, let, let's move on to something that to close the pod here that's maybe maybe not so crazy. And and John, I'm gonna to come to you first on this one. We are renaming the Camelon Road Strokes Centenary stand after Kenny Daglish. Now I I would imagine you know Kenny sitting there going, What the fuck are they doing that for? You know, given the humility of the man and so on. But I I think it's I think the timing of it's absolutely perfect as well. And you know, to, to me, it, it, it's the best thing that's happened to us this season. I just love the idea of it. Um, you know, it's about time that the man. You know, I know there's been there's been a push for him to be knighted and so on for his work after Hillsborough and whatnot. I think this is pretty fitting.
3: Ah, uh, it's it's so fitting as uh, some true. I mean, he's Kenny Douglish is, is Liverpool. I mean, he's uh, Kenny Douglish is the reason I. I support Liverpool, really. When, when when I think about my childhood and my formative years watching football, um, he's the greatest player in the history of the club. You know, you think about those iconic moments at Wembley. you know, the, the chip uh, against Bruges, uh, the volley at Chelsea that won the double in 86. And, and Dave, you'll appreciate this, but, but one of the greatest players, one of the greatest footballers ever to play, you know, every day lace up a pair of football, but an absolute genius of a footballer. People look at other players that were maybe a bit more the the, the the dribblers, like the the Georgie Bests and the Glenn Hoddles and stuff like that. But Kenny Dalglish was just he was just a, a
0: more a European dream. cups than Man United, mate.
3: Yes, he's won more European cups than Man United. That's that's Kenny Dalglish. He's, but but I think you take that aside and you park that and. Douglas, the player, and what he was, and then you look at Douglas, the manager, and he built probably the. It's my opinion he built the finest ever Liverpool team to watch. You know the the, the Liverpool team of of 87, 88, 89 That you know they were they were just another level. He signed Barnes, Beardsley, you know Aldridge, the, the Houghton football, and um, and then it's the sad part, but. But it's to me, it's the main reason why this is absolutely the, man, the right we're, thing. We're, we're
0: talking about the man, I think, now. You know, yeah. Um, we've, we've talked about the player, the manager. But I think in, in the thing that maybe goes underestimated, the thing not maybe under the radar, but Kenny Douglas, the man, and the work that he's done, and him and his wife especially, uh, Marina, yeah. like the work that they do around Liverpool, the work that they've done around Hillsborough mm-hmm. uh, and so on, it, it, it just can't be counted in ours, John.
3: It can't be, and that's the thing that most people I, I know. There's a younger generation of supporters, and they see Kenny Dalglish, and they've probably seen the DVDs of many in Rush, and they have. You know, they they understand that he's a massive part of Liverpool, and they probably remember that he was manager when we weren't that great. <laughs> the last time he was manager, but that's you know, with Dalglish, the contribution he made after Hillsborough. I mean. He stepped up in a way that no one even expected him or or asked him to step up that way, but he felt so personal about it. That was his club. That was supporters that went to watch his team that died. And he was at all the funerals. He was there for the families. He made himself available 24-7. And just his humility, and every time he was sort of, anyone even tried to remotely praise him about it, he he was having none of it. You know, as you say, Dave, probably...
0: He's probably embarrassed at the fact that the club. I say he's human. <laughs> yeah, he he's so normal. That. I think he's he just is, so he normal. Is, he'll be fuming at it. Yeah,
3: he hates that sort of thing. But he's, you know, he is everything that's great about Liverpool. You know that that the, the brilliance on the pitch and the humility, and um, it, it's the best thing that's happened this season, and it's so deserved. And um, yeah, I was delighted, absolutely delighted to see that. Um, he's my hero. <laughs> Kenny As probably most people my age who, who support Liverpool is their hero. So it's a fitting tribute. Um, uh, you can't think of anything. Uh, if you're going to rename Hard uh, thing there's no one else that would deserve it more than him. So it's 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 great stuff. Great stuff.
0: No, with Michael bale in the pod, and, uh, Ali Thompson and myself had an 11-piece of me and we actually lost the file. And, and the, you know, Michael... Worked with Kenny uh, during the time he was under-23s. And just the affection that he has for him. And, you know, he, he was telling us, you know, Kenny would come down every day nearly to the under-23s, mingle with the players and, and, and so on. No airs and graces about him, just a normal guy. Um, didn't expect anybody to, to to bow at his feet or anything. Not, not in the man's creed, not in the man's nature. Um, and, you know, anybody that I've ever met, I've never met Kenny Dougley sure, I'd be near him in any way to, to know. But anybody who's ever... Come across him just has the the warmest and kindest words for the man. But, uh, you know, given his, his legacy, it's hardly surprising. Neil Patterson, yourself, obviously, you're delighted as well. Yeah, just pretty much echo
2: what John said. I mean, he was my hero as well. Really got into the support of Liverpool when he was. He built that 87, 88, 89 team all the way in the 90s. John Manson, like, and, um, you know, the iconic pictures of him in his. Uh, in that grey and red big overcoat, the the candy one um, with the three stripes down the down the side. Basically, he, he lived in that coat like on the touchline and all of that. And I think you're absolutely right. He hundred percent deserves it. It's more as has been mentioned, it's more than just what he what he put in as a player and then again as a manager and as a player manager winning the double in in '86. Um, it's it's everything else that came with it. It's the attachment that he's always had to the club, to the city, and you know, it was mentioned. You know, there's a push to get him knighted and stuff. But to be fair, this is this is far more fitting because all that establishment stuff is is a lot of crap anyway. Let's be honest. I'm sure while he will be a bit embarrassed by it, and you know, it's not the kind of thing he goes in for necessarily. I'm sure he he'd be quietly, um, you know, tickled about it, like and 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 you know, pleased with it and a fair play it's exactly right um it's a fitting way to pay tribute uh, especially especially given the kind of ignominious way that he that he departed from the club in in the last in his last incarnation at the club um Absolutely. So, yeah so it's it's a good way to maybe um maybe get some of the younger fans uh, uh, or some of the newer fans to, to go and do a bit a bit of good in-depth research on the man and to find out just why we've, we've named the stand after him.
0: And Neil Devlin, I, I think we're going to have a full house of happiness here. Um, and that, that's a rarity in this pod. Uh, Neil, yourself, happy?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm, I, I know everything that he's done for the club, but I just I sort of take it from a different point of view because I, I was one when Kenny left the first time around. So I never really, I don't have a personal attachment to the man or anything.
2: Fucking youngster. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: you wee baby devil, yeah. you wee Whip, baby. And fucking whippersnappers. How can you get a, a wee whippersnapper? And how cycle is he for a wee whippersnapper?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm happy and rightly so. I think we should do more things like this. Uh, I question, kind of question why there isn't a Shankly stand, to be honest. Or a Peasley one or whatever. Fair uh, point. We don't seem to do. We seem to move away.
0: We've got the gates
2: though, and uh, and the statues. So
1: yeah, we do. but
2: stand.
0: I think. Are you talking about? You know, when, as you say, Neil. Whenever you see the stands, you see Old Trafford. You see the Bobby Charlton stand. Um, all yeah. those memorials are and things are outside. Basically, the, the you know the four four stands to the stadium this will be something that'll be in your face in the stadium
1: yeah it's you're not seeing the the gates or the statue on Sky Sports for 90 minutes you you see the like how long did it take Manchester United to name it the Sir Alex Ferguson stand not very long so I think we I think it's something that we should do because it's something even not even an emotional level it's something on a this is a commercial level you could sell this and no doubt DefsG thought of it from that point of view as well like it's it's a bra- it's all about the Liverpool brand and if you want to move forward with the Liverpool brand you've got to look back at the history because at the minute that's all we've got I suppose but yeah I'm definitely definitely happy and I definitely that's, d- this is why when we didn't want to move away from Anfield and stuff like that and why it made a lot of sense and I think we should do more things like it I think, I know we're trying to do the naming rights for the, the main stand aren't we we're trying to get somebody in to do that so it, we probably can't name that one but there's two other stands there like we could do something
0: for Peasley Shankly. I don't know if you guys agree. The Boston Globe um cop doesn't have a ring to it to me though. No, definitely not. You
2: don't want you do want something like that, you
0: know. But um I think you know
2: it's a it's a great point, you know, get get shankley on on a stand and Paisley. But it's also nice that I mean you mentioned Bobby Shorten there. Um and one of the one of the great things that he had over shankley Paisley at the moment is he's he's still alive and it's quite nice to kind of honour a legend that, uh, and somebody, as we yeah, said, yeah, that's he, a fair he massively while, while he's still around. And yeah, I think, I think you make a good point. We should look into naming the other stands now. Um, he's still, he's
1: still nice the last match, manager, still the last manager to win a trophy with us as well.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and definitely yeah. the last manager to win a league title with us, so. Yeah,
0: well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it really, really does say, say it all, really, whenever you consider the gap was in his managerial career but listen guys before we close and, and you know we're talking about renaming and rebranding and one thing i just want to cover before we, we, we wrap this up is you know letting our listeners know to change over on your your soundcloud feeds and follow world football index we're already there um we're going to finish the season out on our on our own soundcloud but after that we'll we'll be exclusively under the uh wfi EPL weekly on the WFI feed. So from next season onwards, and we'll be starting with the transfer window and so on um from sort of July, August time back again with the pods. So make the change across nice in case you forget. And uh, I'll just run around the table very quickly here. um I'll start with Neil Devlin. Anything you're up to? Working with find you on Twitter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: uh you can find me at the usual place. at Purple Man. I'm not as angry as I was mid-season. It's probably a, good, it's a better time to follow me now. I think you'd maybe agree, Dave. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, t- t- two
0: games to go. It sort of, it sort of takes a sting out of it, doesn't it really, Neil?
1: Yeah, so I'll be picking up my anger in and around the end of August when we fucked up all our transfer targets again. So maybe it's a good good window. This is kind of the, the follow Neil window. It's kind of akin to the transfer window. So yeah, if you want to follow me at Purple Man, I don't really do much else. Uh, Amara's been at me to write an article about different fume and stuff, but I don't think anybody really wants any to read any more of my fume, to be honest.
0: <laughs> well, your last one was actually very good, but you you know depends. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. But moving across, Neil Patterson, what are we doing? Obviously, nothing as usual. <laughs> and we're working to find you on Twitter?
2: Yeah, not very much, man. Um, this is my only uh, contribution to to writing. or no, pardon, at the moment. I'm, Works uh work keep me busy. But you can find me at Neil nineteen eighty on Twitter if you so desire. Pretty political at the moment given given the situation, given the, the English British general election, so you'll have to put up with that for the next couple of months. Other than that, uh, not much else to report. So
0: Happy Days. And John yourself, what are you up to working with Find You? You can find me at the usual at Tubin lad. And I'm a
3: bit like me, limit, but Caught up in the whole politics of uh, treason May and Donald Trump and this treason May. Did,
0: did you say treason May <laughs> or
2: treason
3: <laughs> May? <I> that's <don't> <laughs> it is. Treason well, May. <laughs> there, do you like that wee soundbite? It's better than Maggie May, isn't it? Um, that's that's the podcast title right there. Tories and Trump, um, and aside from that, I'll be yeah. Uh, you can still get me going on about Liverpool. So, but but nothing else much at the moment, Dave.
0: Um, and I'd just like to thank Gav uh, again, who, who who actually stayed and listened. I, I feel I feel compelled to tell listeners that he stayed and listened to us. So fair play to him, since since he's so anti Liverpool. But from my own point of view, as I say, give WFI a follow. Get your get people who are subscribing to us. There's a lot of you do subscribe to WFI already, but the ones who don't, please come. Across, uh, you'll find a lot of great content across there, not just on Liverpool, but across the whole world of football. We did one there on uh, Israeli football, which was, God, uh, it, it's an educational listen. That's all I'm about to say. It reminds me of Home a lot, but uh, an educational listener in, in regards to football. All on that, just thanks to the guys, thanks to the listener, and until we come back next week, it is goodbye.